This month's lesson, The Toughest Challenges of a Leader, is focused on the oppositions that every godly leader must face if they're to be successful. If you're not already facing these challenges, you will be as you grow in leadership. This lesson will prepare you to confront them head on. All right, I want to welcome those behind-the-scenes listeners and those of you that are staff that are here right now and friends, and, uh, and just glad that you're here today. And I'm um, going to have a good day. In fact, uh, I want to learn some things today along the lines of leadership that I think is going to help a lot of us to be on the right path. And uh, a lot of them still hearing from, thought this week about a number of people I had a chance this week to talk to that are, uh, that are leaders. And uh, just want to make a comment about a few of them. James Flanagan, uh, Dr. Flanagan is a university president and uh, came down. We had some hours together and uh, just really appreciate him and what he's doing and, um, and the leadership of his university. And then, of course, uh, some other people I've heard from recently. Uh, Dr. Benny Tate, pastor of the largest church in his denomination. Uh, dear personal friend, and I had a chance to be with him the other day. And um, while we were there, had a, had a great response. Benny's building a great church. He reminded me that when he first got into ministry, he said, I came to you and I said, uh, how do I get into ministry? And I told him he needed a tape duplicator. And he said, what's that? And he says, you went into the room and picked up one and gave it to me. He said, here it is. And so I wasn't sure of that. So, uh, so I'm, I'm glad to, to be reminded of that and see how far he's gone. Um, had a guy recently, he's one of our new behind-the-scenes listeners, uh, Dr. Billy Dickerson. He's a new pastor of a Lakewood church in our area. And uh, Billy is a, uh, is a real go-getter. I met him years ago when I was speaking at a conference and didn't know then that we'd now be pastoring in the same city, so I appreciate him. And then one other guy I thought I need to just kind of keep your uh, eyes in front of is a friend named Dr. Richard Lee at First Baptist Sugar Hill, Georgia. Uh, keep an eye out for him. Richard is growing a great church up there. He's took it from about 300 to nearly 2,000 now, and he's only been there a short time, and, uh, and so he's done an outstanding job. So for him and all those others that are listening, I'm grateful that you do. Um, the thing that I want to talk to you about today, this for you staff and for those of you behind the scenes listeners, is, is this idea, and that's the, uh, the challenges that are toughest for a leader. I was thinking about this this morning. I said, you know, if I look at what is it that's challenged about, about leadership and what is it that makes it difficult, um, I thought of about seven things that I think are, um, are very uh, challenging for me personally, and I think they probably are for everybody else. So... I'm going to just kind of, uh, I'll ask you a couple of questions and ask you what you think about that for a moment and just kind of hear from you along that line, and I'll repeat it back for our listeners. But if you think about the challenges you have in leadership, the things that challenge you in your area, the things that you say, uh, every now and then I have to stop and say, do I really get paid for this? You know, I mean, do I have to put up with any more of this? Um, and yet there are certain challenges that every leader has. And so if you've got some in mind, and there's some things that you might say in your, your realm that you say, this is the challenge for me. Um, feel free to call it out. So tell me what you think. Just any one of you speak up. All right, Dr. So Mike. no to people that you like. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Dr. Mike says, uh, saying no to people that you like. That's true. That's the only way you're going to know if they're your real friend, too. You know, if, if you can say no to them and they're still your friend, then, then, you know, you've got a good friend. And if they never speak to you again or you never get another Christmas card, then that no may have told you where you really were. Um, any others? Uh, challenges that you find in your leadership? I'll tell you one thing, from that others on board and keep them focused and <laughs> inspired enough yeah. to get on board and go with 
Yeah, yeah. Butch Jordan always, and he's right on the front line with him. But you're right. Butch, Butch says, in case you couldn't hear, I'll try to repeat it. He said the challenge is not only getting the vision and getting it communicated to the people, but getting them to get on board and buy into it and then to stay focused along the line that they'll carry it out. And, uh, and that's one of the points I'm going to use today. Uh, Jennifer, over here in, in the, in the behind-the-scenes department, what, what's yours? That's right. You're right. People that lack initiative, people that you having to pull to get on board, and, uh, and they're just there for the ride. And they lack initiative, and you just can't seem to get them motivated to come. That, that's very good. Any others? In, any other things? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Gary Seller says running into people with a lack of common sense. And uh, boy, hadn't we found that a lot. You know, that's, that's one of the things that sometimes we always try to get real deep with people. You know, we want to we give this big answer that we think will fix something. And the real answer is just use your common sense. You know, just, just use your common sense. Always reminds me of, uh, I, I took some youth one time, I was speaking at a youth camp, and they had just hired a, uh, a uh, lifeguard that was from, uh, I think he's from Australia. And he had this funny accent, and he was so irritated at kids who were doing dumb things on a youth camp, you know how kids will do. And he kept running around saying, use your brain, use your brain. <laughs> and, uh, and I think about that all the time. We need, we need that kind of T-shirt, I think, to pass out to some of them. Um, and so you, you've got the concept. You know there's some challenges that we get. Uh, here's a couple of them that I'll give you today. One of them is getting grace from others because you're human. You know, if you're a leader, the problem is that uh, it's interesting that we get put on these uh, pedestals or in these areas where we're scrutinized with unreasonable expectations. You know, you don't walk on water. Sometimes you can't even find the water. And so, uh, but the problem is, that when you step into the role of leadership, other people don't realize that you didn't step out of your humanity. Uh, you're still human. You're still going to make mistakes. You're still a human leader. And, um, and so you're going to trip. You're going you're gonna, to uh, mess up sometimes. Sometimes you're going to make a bad call. And so uh, the biggest thing is for them to understand that while they are the leader, they still are human. And they shouldn't have that perception that you can't be. I have a little niece who's about 10 years of age, and and one time uh, she saw me getting out of the car down in their, their city. We were down there visiting with them, and I was going in the grocery store. And she said, Uncle Bill, it doesn't look right for a pastor to go in a grocery store. And I said, really? She said, no, you're not supposed to go there. And I said, explain to me why I'm not supposed to go to the grocery store. She said, I don't know why. You, it just don't look right. She said, like, I shouldn't see my teacher, my school teacher, at the grocery store or at the mall or at the movies or at the beach. She said they're supposed to be at school. <laughs> and, and, and I think what she was saying from a 10-year-old's perspective is what a lot of people say that are past 10. They think you're supposed to always be with Bible in hand if you're a preacher and standing in a pulpit. You're not supposed to be somewhere else. Or if you're in another area of leadership, you're just not supposed to be like you're supposed to be. And that may be why, maybe why sometimes when I'm trying to watch an NBA ball game, the cameraman keeps focusing on Hollywood stars. And I'm thinking, I would like to see Shaq or Michael or somebody play ball. You know, if I want to go see Jack Nicholson, I'll go to the movie. But they spend all their time focusing on the people as if they don't, you know, as if they, they don't have the, uh, the right or somehow they're not expected to be at those places. And there's a fascination when you see a leader outside of their role. And the biggest thing that we find is 
it's difficult for us to understand that people need to give us grace because we're human. And, uh, and if you can get past that, I mean, the Bible is real good about clarifying the humanity of its people. You know, Abraham with the problems he had with wives and hocking off Sarah one time to, to a king. Uh, Moses and all the issues he had. David with his and Solomon. Uh, Solomon's considered the wisest man in the world, yet look at all the human error that he made. Uh, Peter and Paul and all the rest. So sometimes we forget this, that God uses human vessels, but they're still human. And if we can understand that and give them grace, I think it helps us. And so that's the first thing, is just getting grace from others because you're human. Um, the, the second truth that I know, the challenge I think that for me has been tough as a leader, is staying positive in a negative world. Um, one thing you find is that, that um, leaders are change makers. That's just who they are. And one of the first changes that they face is the mindset and the attitude and the environment around them. And wherever they are sometimes can restrict them. And it's not easy to stay, uh, to stay positive when you listen to negativity day in and day out. Uh, I was thinking the other day about Moses, and, and Moses had some kind of a, a following. I'm glad I didn't have his calling. Anytime you get to thinking it's tough, think about this guy. Moses was called to lead almost 3 million complaining people. And no matter what he did for them, he could never satisfy them. All they did is gripe about Moses. You know, they, they griped about the food. They griped about the leader. They griped about the journey. They griped about the heat. They griped about, uh, you know, who was in charge and what direction they were taking. And think about this. Uh, God had delivered them from slavery. They were slaves. Looked to spend a lifetime as slaves. He delivered them. He took them over the Red Sea, delivered them from Pharaoh, from death. Pharaoh's about to come kill them. And God delivers them from, from, the, uh, from the sword of Pharaoh. God gives them provision. God gives them covering. God gives them protection. They traveled for 40 years beside nations, and these were just a bunch of slaves. They weren't warriors. They weren't trained to fight, but they're traveling side by side in the regions for 40 years beside warring nations, and yet God protected them. And so all that God did for them, you'd think they could get a thank you God somewhere, but they never got it. And they complained to Moses night and day. And Moses, finally in frustration, lost his, his way into the promised land just because he was fed up. <laughs> and so when I look at that, I think, you know, it's hard to stay positive sometime in a negative world. And, uh, and so uh, Moses himself, uh, the, the secret to Moses, if you look at it, was he kept slipping off and getting alone. I mean, every time you see Mo, he's going somewhere to get away from them because he's just got to get a break. And so uh, I, I think that helps me to understand that there again is the humanity of the leader and it's a challenge that he faces and he needs to learn how to be able to cope with it. Uh, the third challenge that I see for a leader is going it alone at times. Uh, leaders are often alone in the seasons of their lives that are most important. And, uh, and, and the reason is they're passionate about progress. Uh, most leaders are funny. If you talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, they're totally different talking to them one-on-one -on -one than they are if you're talking to them uh, in their setting. In their setting, they're vision casting. And one-on-one, -on -one, they, don't, they, they don't make good conversationists. Some people think, well, wow, if I got up close to you, I'd really, uh, I'd really be challenged. They get up close to you and say, okay, give me some of that challenge. And, and you just don't know how to connect, and you feel odd there. Um, and part of it is because most people are living in the present moment, and most leaders are, are li living in the uh, future. They're thinking about the down-the-road stuff. And, and the critics come their way because they're going alone, but they're going alone because they see a, a passion or a vision or a mission uh, think about, you know, with Moses again, they said, who made you the leader? 
And Moses, you know, couldn't say, well, I decided I'd step up. He said, I happened to be walking around on a mountaintop one day and God showed up and told me to do this. So it was God that did it. And, and sometimes, you know, remember David, uh, they, they began to tell David when he went out to find Goliath, they said, boy, go back to tending your sheep. You can't find, fight Goliath. You're just a boy. And so a lot of times those around make it even harder on them. And the danger I see is this, for any of you that may be behind the scenes listeners and your leaders, uh, you got to understand some of these giants in life, you got to fight alone. And, uh, and in God's class of loneliness, a lot of people drop out. There are a lot of people that want to be liked by everybody. And so they're not willing to pay that price to go through. So those are, those are three of the ways. Let me give you some more. Number four is this, uh, maintaining your priorities with so many distractions. Uh, that was what Butch had said a moment ago, that, uh, that it's difficult to maintain and hold on to priorities because you got a thousand things distracting. Uh, the other day when Dr. Flanagan and I were sitting together, uh, he was asking me about some things concerning his vision. And so I said, well, let's write it out. And, and as we wrote it out, I couldn't help but think, you know, it's falling on the bottom of the list because there's a thousand things getting in the way. And the problem is when you are a leader, there's busy activity around you. Everybody wants some of your time. Everybody wants some of your advice. And it's not hard to stay busy, but it's hard to stay productive and effective. You got to find out how do I how do I do the important things and not let the busy things just eat up my day. If you're not careful, what will happen? That's that issue of priority. What will happen is you will do all those things, but the most important things will get the least amount of your energy and time. And so you're rushing to the deadline to get in. Uh, the best advice I could give to anybody trying to learn that and how to handle it is keep the important things on the top and do that if everything else falls off the plate. Let the other things cry out for attention, but do the important thing first. Then after you do that, then you can do the other. Um, and I don't always do that. I, I, I'm frustrated when I don't, but there are times that I feel good about it. I've got a busy week in front of me this week, and I'm already trying to chip through and work on a message for this week and get all the things early, and today is, uh, we, we're taping now on a Monday, but I'm just trying to get it all. If I eat the big frog first, all the other things I can swallow. But if I don't do that, I'm gonna wind up being just running in circles and way too busy. And so my, my hope is that we will decide, let's keep the main thing on the main burner and focus on that above everything else. And you don't have to accomplish 100 things, but if you accomplish two or three things well, you'll win the game. That's that Pareto principle, the Italian mathematician who discovered that 20-80 uh, that principle. The 20% the of the things give you 80% of your return if you'll do it right. So figure out what's most important. The uh, number, number, uh, number five, here's the other. This falls along with what Butch was saying. Keeping those that you lead focused on the mission. Um, sometimes leadership is like herding cats. You know, you just can't seem to get them all in one alignment and on one track. Uh, Nehemiah found a way to do this. Every 28 days, he'd go out and remind them. Um, it's kind of like having a child that you say, make up your bed and put up your clothes. And the next day, make up your bed and put up your clothes. And you have to keep doing that over and over and over. Well, as we get to be adults, the leader has to constantly say, here's the vision, here's what we're doing, and tell them. And Nehemiah learned to do it. I think the reason for it is a lot of people don't manage their personal time well. They, they look at their personal time and they don't manage it well, and they don't manage their passions or their gifts and so if you try to get them all on board, they're sometimes musing while the fire's burning. Uh, they're, they're basically just caught up in little things rather than focus together on how do we accomplish this and then we'll rest and relax afterwards. 
And, and I tell you, those of you that are leaders that are trying to grow an organization, the more staff you have, the more people you try to lead, the harder it is going to be to get more people on board at one time. It doesn't get easier. You think, well, I get more staff. That'll really help lighten the load. Not necessarily. I mean, you, you better make sure you get the right staff because sometimes you bring the staff and all of a sudden you say, now we are derailed. We've uh, we broke it down. So the key is going to be now, how do I get the right people and I get everybody focused on the mission at one time? And what I love about this, I have to say this, when, whenever we're all working in sync together, we move the ball. We really feel it. There are times even around here that um, you guys and girls will know, there's been certain times that we were all in sync, everybody on one page, and all of a sudden we just made a lot of ground. And those are those moments that we wish that somehow we could uh, capture and be able to replicate that over and over and over. And I don't always know what the chemistry is or what the, what the reason for it is, but I know that those are the times that when, when it's happened, we've, we've all felt the lift from it. And so that's, that's number five. Number six, uh, the sixth thing that's a challenge for the leader, one of the tough challenges, is handling criticism. Uh, and the reason for it is it's, it's easy to take shots at leaders. Uh, the larger the organization, the more the criticism. When our church was a little church, we never got any criticism. Those of you that are listeners now, and maybe you're pastoring a small church, you say, oh, I want that big church. Well, get ready because they shoot bigger uh, bullets at the bigger target. Uh, when our church was little, we, we didn't get it. Now, as we grew with the attention of growth came the criticism. That's part of it. Now, one of the problems is learning how to handle it. And, and I'll give you my philosophy. It may not be the best. I may have been doing it wrong. So I'm, I'm not saying this is the only way to do it. But it's my way of doing it, so I stay focused. I have a strong belief that it's impossible to change people. I don't think you change people. I think you change people when they hit bottom hard enough they want to change or they desire to grow enough that they want to change. And so I don't waste time trying to argue my case. Um, I personally ignore criticism. I just think you can't change a critic. I think their DNA is to scoff or disrespect. And uh, usually it's because they're unsuccessful people and, and they feel unnoticed in their world. And so the only way they can get noticed is to, uh, is to shoot at somebody else. Now, I really believe, and it's just my view, but I believe that no amount of reason and no amount of evidence will ever suffice to solve or help your critic. They, they have an attitude that kind of says, don't bother me with the facts because my story sounds good. And so it's best just to let it go if you can. Otherwise, you're wasting time and energy of your life that you could be investing in something positive. And so learn how to say, I'm going to invest my life and energy today doing positive things, saying positive things. It's the difference between being proactive in life and reactive. If you're reactive, you'll always have something that causes you to get off guard. If you're proactive, at least you'll be able to accomplish some things in life. So handling your critics is going to be one of the tests that is difficult, but it's going to be a forever problem for leadership. Uh, number seven, and I mentioned earlier I had seven, but I want to add an eighth one here. But number seven is this. Uh, stay, stay fresh and recharged. Most leadership burns out after a few years unless they've learned how to replenish their own battery. The trouble is because you're giving out so much that you're not taking in. And so the ways you got to take that in are going to be determined by you figuring out how do I keep my battery charged, how do I keep myself fresh. Uh, let me give you a couple ways I do it. One is I, I read the Bible for personal growth, uh, not just for sermons. It's easy, especially if you're preaching. 
you, when you read a Bible, you say, oh, man, they'd love that. Oh, that, they need to hear that. And before you know it, you're developing a sermon. And if you're developing a sermon, you'll get a lot of sermons, but you'll lose a lot of passion. And so I read the Bible for my personal growth. Uh, the second is that try to use drive time wisely. Um, if you get in a car, you can, you can just turn on a radio and listen to the top ten songs, or you can put in a leadership tape, uh, maybe like some of you are doing right now, and you're listening to that, and you're listening to a CD or something, and you're just trying to learn as much as you can. I listened the other day, and never had heard this, I listened the other day to a general describing what's going on on the ground in Iraq. And I probably got the greatest insight in that half-hour drive about the Iraqi war than I have from anyone else or anything else I've read. But he was a guy who's been there. He articulated it well. And, uh, and, and as I listened to that, I said, I don't know a lot about it, but I do know this. I know more now about what's actually going on and the strategy they're planning than I ever did before, as much as I'd tried to stay current on it. And so what I'm saying is, is you grow in your personal life by listening and learning. And make yourself a learner. Be a lifelong learner. Read often. Um, I read uh, fairly regularly. Uh, there used to be a time I was on this high quest and doing it. And I was finishing a book or two a week. Now I'm probably doing one book a week or so. Um, but I, I, I have people put a book in my hand that really is helpful. I read last week a book that Keith Nicholson put in my hands. And uh, I think it was written by Thomas Rayner. But it's called Simple Church. And he was really talking about how to simplify your life. And it challenged me to think about how to, how to move the ball just in a more simple way than, than the ways we've been doing it in times past. And then I've got a, a friend named Buddy Dutoit. And Buddy um, handed me a book the other day on Lance Armstrong. And um, Buddy's a trainer that I used to try to get me in shape. The problem is, is when he turns his back, I head for KFC or something, you know. And so, but, but when he's with me, I, I, I do my part. But he gave me this book on Lance Armstrong. So I was sitting the other day. Uh, for a few moments waiting on someone and I just took that book and started reading through it and I began to see all of the things that that make Lance Armstrong who he is his determination his will to win and all of those things so what I say is read a lot um, and then a, another I tell you is is intentionally associate with the right people if I want to grow and stay fresh I've got to cut negative people out of my life and I've got to bring positive people in and people that can help me Older leaders give me wisdom, and younger leaders help me with energy. And you need both in your life. And so one of the questions has got to be, okay, what can I do today that can help move me forward in life, keep me fresh? What can I grow with that I can make a positive impact or leave, leave a bridge or a map for those behind me to follow? All right, let me give you the last one. And uh, I'll give you this because as we're listening on the tape or we're listening by way of, of um, uh, a CD or something, or we're right here in this room just to kind of, uh, end this one on, if we do cross that threshold, if we finish that marathon, here's the, here's the, the thing that I think is a challenge for a lot of leaders. Don't let success change you in a negative way. Uh, people say sometimes, don't let success change you. Well, that's not a good, a good uh, statement. I think success ought to change you. It ought to change you in a positive way. Uh, but don't let it change you in a negative way. And, and everything's going to change anyway. Hopefully it will change in a positive way. But we hope that as we change that the people around us change for the better, that the environments will be better and more conducive to people getting an opportunity and growing. Uh, keep an eye on your heart. You know, check your heart regularly. Make sure that, that on your heart, you, when you look on the inside, that you have never compromised your values. Remember where you came from. Doesn't hurt at all to, to look back and figure out, this is where I was and here's who I am. Here's how I'm tracking at this moment. 
and, uh, and, and understand this. There's nothing wrong with the rewards of success. When you, success, uh, when, you, know, when you succeed and, and, and taste success some, um, you're going to live with a, with a little better lifestyle. You're going to know more influential people than you did earlier on. And you'll have a chance to make a more uh, influential or, or effective change in the culture around you. Those things are rewards for doing a good job. Uh, nothing wrong with it. You know, when, when you see somebody say, wow, look at how, they, how they're living now. Well, sure, but they paid a price to get there. Nobody gets anywhere without a price long term. But the key is, at the end of the day, uh, you want to use what you've got to show other people who want to succeed how to get there. You want to help them. And if you can reach back a hand to them, you do it for them. You don't just do it for yourself. And the, I think the secret there is going to be keep learning, keep growing. So when we talk about the tough things that leaders do, one of the things that I think is toughest is going to be leading yourself. Uh, you have to police yourself. You've got you to gotta make sure that you keep your heart right, that you keep growing, that you keep focused. And so if you do it the right way, I think at the end of it, you can see more of a, uh, of a, of a pattern and you can enjoy more of the fruit of succeeding. If you're willing to go through those tougher times and you're willing to stay focused on the goal that God's given to you. And so all of you that are listening, I'm grateful that you do. It's my joy to be with you each month. I love to hear from you, so continue as, as you do with your emails or letters. And let me know where you're growing, what you're doing, and how things are coming in your life. And, um, and hopefully one day we'll get a chance to meet each other. And uh, I'd, I'd love to be inspired by your stories. Let me pray with you for just a moment. Father, thank you for those behind-the-scenes uh, listeners. And uh, today, wherever they are, whatever they're doing, I pray that you'll give them grace and strength. I pray you'll guide their steps. I pray that the little principles that we've tried to lay out would become for them ways of, uh, of uh, helping them to reassess where they are and, um, and uh, reposition themselves to continue to grow. I thank you for the staff that's here. I pray, God, that you'll bless them, meet every need of their life. Thank you for the value they add to me. And thank you, Lord, for the, for the ministry that they conduct that they never get a lot of credit for, and they're, they're not always noticed for. But I personally am grateful for them, and I pray that you'll minister to them and bless them. Help us all to make a positive impact on this earth while we're here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us this month. We hope that this lesson has been a blessing to you and has shown you that you are not alone in the challenges you face as a leader. If you're interested in learning more on the subject of passion and priorities, get the CD series, David, A Man on Fire, a $40 value for only $24.95. Simply call 1-800-474-9235 to take advantage of this month's offer.